0: to the Dashboard Effect podcast. I'm Brick Thompson, and today with me I've got Jenny Swenson, who's our director, the director of our PMO. She manages our project management group. Hey Jenny. Hey Brick. So what I was hoping we could talk about today is what it takes to run a successful BI project, which you do so well, you and your group <laughs> do so well every day.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Looking forward to discussing.
0: All right. Great. And I think you know, for the purposes of this podcast, let's just focus on how we do it at Blue Margin. Mm-hmm. And then um, we might think about for a, a later podcast, if we were advising some other group that wasn't us, what are the things they might think about and how to go at it? We could do that another time. But let's just talk about our methodology to sort of get a baseline here. So when you think about um, running a successful BI project, what are the... First of all, what do you th- what do you think the role of the PM, the project manager, and the PMO is? And what are the primary things that you're thinking about?
1: Yeah. So I hear Blue Margin, and um, it's probably common in a lot of organizations, but we really serve as the center of gravity for the project um, and really the delivery team as a whole. So we really uh, serve to ensure that everyone's informed and aligned and that we deliver what we promised per the scope of the engagement.
0: Okay. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's how I see you guys, too. Mm-hmm. You, you are the center of gravity. It all sort of revolves around you. And it's a it's an interesting position because you don't actually directly manage the engineers. And yet right. you kind of do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it takes it takes a deaf touch for sure. Mm-hmm. What, what are the primary functions that you guys bring into play in a project?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, three key categories, um, starting with planning. Really, what we're doing, the activities that we're doing to lead into a project. Um, and then once we get into executing, how we're monitoring the project and making sure it's staying on track. And then communication, as I noted, you know, making sure everyone's informed and staying aligned throughout the project.
0: Okay, that's that's a great framework for the discussion. So let's just talk about at at blue margin what does a project look like so the first the first area you mentioned is planning um, and let's assume we're we're starting the discussion at when it gets to the project manager what does planning look like for you
1: sure so generally we're coming into a project with an approach and a solution defined so something that we do here is we work very closely with our clients and um, to design a solution that's going to fit their needs prior to getting into executing.
0: Okay. So the project manager is not doing the design as part of the project, but rather taking a fully formed project that already has a design and then executing. And and actually, that probably gives a little bit of the wrong impression because I know (laughs) project managers are involved in design. But but at the point you get a project to execute, It's defined, it's sort of buttoned up, it's Mm -hmm. signed off on, and you know what the scope is and sort of generally know, well, not generally, you know specifically what the goals are.
1: Yes, exactly. So that helps a lot. Um, So one of the first things we do, and we actually do this um, in the scoping uh, activity, so sort of in design, is we're really looking to plan the resources for the project.
0: And by plan resources, does that mean who you're assigning to what work? Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: exactly. So, what will who will the team be that's going to execute on the project? Um, so that's really our engineers and also the project manager. Sure, sure. Um, so really assessing uh, overall capacities. So we we've got a view on the organization, uh, what projects we have planned, uh, and who's available when.
0: Okay.
1: We're looking at really skill to scope. So what are we trying to accomplish, and who has the skills to do that well?
0: Right, because different people may have experience that uh, lends itself well to the current scope.
1: Exactly, okay. yep. Uh, we're all looking, also looking at the client relationship, so we try to keep our project teams intact. Uh, we worked with our clients for quite a while, uh, years at a time in, in some cases, so we try and keep the project team similar or the same uh, since we have that that relationship.
0: Uh, okay. I love that. Um, and it's true. We do have clients for years. I want to make clear our projects don't take
1: years. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> That's a good distinction. Sure.
0: Yeah. More like weeks, but yeah. Yeah. Our but, projects
1: are very fast. But yeah.
0: we tend to have clients coming back to us to keep doing projects. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so, all right. So that client relationship. So the client knows the engineers. They've already been working with them. The engineer knows the client, has the context of the business and so on.
1: Right. They know the data. They know the people. They know the operations and things just tend to go much more smoothly when we can keep that team uh, with the client.
0: Yeah. Great. And if it's a new client, I'm sure you're looking at, you're looking for resources that have worked in that industry or worked on the type of uh, maybe the type of data source that we're dealing with that type of thing.
1: Right. Yep. We're looking for the topic area. We're looking at the data source. We're looking at the industry and just seeing who has experience in those.
0: Oh, okay. So once you've done that resource planning, um, what, what else is left in planning?
1: Yeah, so then we're really getting into project initiation. Um, so we're really setting out to chart a clear path for execution. We generally know at a high level, uh, we've mapped out our deliverables. So we know um, at a high level what we're going to do and when. So we're really looking at when we're going to do the ETL work, when we're going to do the data warehouse build and subsequent reporting. Um, but when, once we get into execution with the project team, um, we start to plan what are at blue margin week long sprints. So we do our our work in five-day blocks, if you will. Um, And we plan those two weeks at a time. That's about as far out as our engineers can confidently see um, as far as that very detailed work underneath the deliverable.
0: Okay. So week-long sprints, but you always sort of know what the, not sort of, you always know what the next two weeks looks like. Right. Got it. And then um, even above that, you've already mapped out what the deliverables are and when those are likely to hit. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yep. So we know the high level work. Uh, we know at least two weeks at a time what the more gr- granular tasks are going to look like. Uh, we're also identifying key handoff points between resources. So between our architecture team and our um, visualization team, what the handoff points need to be, as well as when we need the client to come into play. So looking at Client inputs, uh, if we need their input on something, if we need feedback, uh, we identify that as proactively as possible so the client understands that.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I've seen the Gantt charts that you guys produce that show sort of all the pieces that are happening, uh, what's happening in parallel, what's happening serially, uh, what the touch points are, all of that. Um, and I, I think next we're going to talk about the second bucket you mentioned, which is monitoring. And maybe we can talk about you know how you build that and keep track of that there. Anything else on project planning?
1: I think that covers it. Um, really, I guess what we've learned um in our transition, So we've recently transitioned from time and materials to a fixed model. Um, and in that transition, we found that it's actually easier for us to, to stay um, pretty short term as far as granular planning goes. We used to plan our entire project down to the task level, budget, timeline, all of that. Um, but we, we often found that that fell apart pretty quick.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I remember those project plans. Actually, when we were, you know, many years ago, I would manage projects and, uh, we would have project plans with hundreds of tasks <laughs> and tasks that were 0.2 hours. <laughs> you know, those, exactly. those, and those, uh, yeah, those didn't uh, survive uh, actual live fire Fire often. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so what do you do now instead?
1: Yeah. So as I noted, we just, we transitioned to just shorter term planning, um, just using that deliverable Gantt view as our North Star. So we always know at a high level what we're up against, um, but keeping very granular planning
0: to short term. Okay, Great. Well, uh, let's shift to the second bucket you mentioned up front, which is monitoring. So, um, monitoring is basically making sure the project execution is going well. Mm-hmm. But what are the what are the big pieces? What are the activities? What are the things you're thinking about there?
1: Sure. So, really, our the ultimate goal um, is for us to deliver the value to the client on time or early. Um, you know, we we used to have this notion of of budget management, and we still do. Manage budgets to a degree, but not the same way that we did under a time and materials. Model. Well,
0: yeah, I mean that we've given the client a price, mm-hmm. right? So the any budget management is really sort of internal. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to hit the goal. We know how many people we plan to work on the project, and that really is the budget. Then, right? right. If we have to add an engineer, that's mm-hmm. sort of more budget internally. It doesn't change the price for the client, right? Um, so really, you're managing to that end date.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much about timeline now.
0: Well, um, I, oh, sorry, to interrupt. I interrupt. I I love that about fixed price projects because it really aligns our incentives with the client's incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in time and materials work, um, if a project runs long, uh, the client pays for that. <laughs> it it, it, all, it almost. <laughs> Almost seems unethical. And, you know, we have, we have uh, service providers that do time and materials for us. And now that we do fixed price for our clients, I can barely stand it. Um, you know, when you're actually working on a fixed price going for a particular date, uh, if, you know, if we as the service provider, as the partner, Blue Margin, if we deliver early, potentially we make more profit on that project because we had we have people that can now work on a new project sooner Mm -hmm, Um, at the same time the client pays the same amount and also gets their um, gets their goal gets their their product that they wanted earlier and presumably they hired us to build that that product or that project so that they can get a return on the investment and so the clock on that return starts sooner Mm -hmm. and i just love how those align so much better than time and materials Mm -hmm. where we're almost at odds Oh yeah.
1: It's it's really fantastic. It's it's nice to to have it just really simplifies things um for us as project managers and again um really just focusing on getting the the value to the client early, no matter what it takes, is um it's just been great.
0: Yeah. Okay. So all right, ultimate goal is to deliver, I think you said on time or early. Um I love early. Everybody yeah, loves early. Love early. <laughs> How do you make that happen?
1: Sure. So we meet two times a week as a project team, um, intentionally. So we have two uh, 15-minute blocks on the calendar where we meet as a project team. And really the goal of that is similar to a stand-up in an an agile environment um, where you're really reviewing progress, discussing challenges, changes, risks, issues, things like that. Um, Really staying aligned on key handoff points and things that are coming up when we may need the client to engage. Um, We're also planning the next two weeks of work. Um, So as I discussed, uh, really looking to the upcoming weeks and making sure we have all of our tasks planned. Um, And then we're discussing any changes and potential uh, cascading impact of of those changes, which I'm sure we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so two of those stand-ups a week. Mm -hmm. That all sounds uh, like pretty standard uh, project management, Mm -hmm. almost agile. I know we're we're not working in a true agile environment, Mm -hmm. but we're taking pieces of that. Um, How do you you track? what people are working on you know previously previously we used a project management tool called SmartSheet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of a, a web-based tool, it's kind of like microsoft project um as i was talking about or and you mentioned um you know we'd have all our tasks in there tracking down to the tenth of an hour <laughs> hundreds of tasks um we're not doing that now so so right. tell us tell us how we do it now
1: Yeah, I I laugh because I was reminded this morning of uh, my life not so long ago where I I spent most of my day in Smartsheet just managing um, completion percentages at the task level for our tasks that were um, budgeted for one hour. Um, And things have changed so much now. We use DevOps as our planning tool um, and we have a hierarchy set up in there that supports um, sprint level planning so we understand what work is occurring um, on what dates, the engineers are really responsible for managing um, the task, the tasks. Really, they're for them. Um, it's nice as a project manager to be able to view what's going on, but we're most interested in more of that milestone and deliverable level, um, kind of staying out of the weeds of the work and letting the engineers manage the tasks.
0: Yeah, that are I, for them. I love that. And and for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, DevOps is a Microsoft tool, also web based. Um, that is primarily used in agile environments, but is, uh, uh, very customizable. And we've done a bunch of customization to make it work well for our, our project processes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works really well for us. It's been it's been really great.
0: So it sounds like it gives the, the project team members more autonomy to sort of manage their own time. I guess they're responsible for completing the work they committed to at the beginning of that week's sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you're talking about that at those two weekly check-ins, but really they have some autonomy to figure out how to get that done, pull in the resources they need and so on.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's been one of the best things is um, not feeling like we have to manage at that task level, but instead um, allow the engineer, as you said, the autonomy to really chart the path to get to uh, where they need to get to, to meet that goal with the deliverable and and ultimately the timeline.
0: Yeah. And under the time and materials model, um, that was harder. It was harder to have sort of the autonomy to be able to collaborate and pull people in when you need them because you were always worried about hitting the budget for that (laughs) task and then Mm -hmm. having to sort of pause the project and figure out if you could move hours from some other task or Mm -hmm. do you need a change order? That all went away.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it has gone away. And one of the biggest things I think I've noticed in the in the shift that this is a little um, off topic, but is just that we've seen such an increase in collaboration with the team because they're not worrying about that budget. They don't, don't have the project manager breathing down their neck about the budget and the timeline so much. Um, they really have the ability to, to leverage their peers and other uh, team members within the organization to get the work done.
0: And, and in a sense, though, they are worried about the timeline, and that's it. It's not it's not the budget so much. Right. As Okay, I need Mm -hmm. to finish this work. We, you know, we're scheduled to finish this project, you know, two weeks from tomorrow. Right. What do we need to do to make that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love it. All right. The third bucket you mentioned at the beginning uh, was communication. So I'm assuming this is, this includes the communication with the team, but probably also with the stakeholders of the client. So how do, how do we do that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I noted as far as the team communication goes, uh, we have two intentional touch points uh, as a project team. It's also worth noting that we all work in the office together, so we can just stop by each other's desks anytime to stay in sync. But as far as the, the client team goes, we hold weekly development reviews generally toward the end of the week. Um, that aligns with our week sprints or our five-day kind of blocks of time that we work on And we are allowed to we are enabled to show progress to the client at the end of that sprint um, and kind of discuss validation, progress and challenges. We can align on logic. We really use that time not only to check in on progress and and show them what we've been working on, but also to work through through issues um, and answer, you know, ask questions and have them ask questions of us just to stay in sync throughout the week.
0: Yeah, I, I love those meetings. So that meeting um, typically is on Microsoft teams. It's Mm -hmm. a video call. Um, we typically have all of our, uh, engineers who are working on the project on that. We may not have some ancillary engineers who are maybe like Mm -hmm. sort of just providing a little advice here and there, but all the people that are, are working on it day to day project manager, and then, uh, the, the stakeholders from the client. And, uh, those are great calls. So I just love it.
1: That's right. Yeah. It is the core. Yeah. The core project team for us. And then any, um, stakeholders, project sponsors, occasionally even end users, particularly when we get into the report uh, development review part of the project, which is generally their favorite part. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of a new thing for us. You know, previously we'd go away for weeks without, we would meet with the, with the stakeholder team on a weekly basis, but really our, our status update was focused on timeline and budget updates, usually quite focused on budget updates. Um, and now we are really allowed to use that time to, to show progress. And I think they appreciate that week over week understanding what's being worked on. They can see tangible, um, a tangible product starting to develop and it's been really beneficial.
0: Yeah, that's great. So when we get near the end of a project, we go into a user acceptance testing phase, Mm -hmm. a UAT phase. Um, how does communication work during that period?
1: Sure. Yeah. So for UAT, we generally deploy the reports to the end user group. It's generally a pretty focused um, group of folks. Uh, We give them a really simple Excel document that they can populate um, over the course of the five days when they're interacting with a reporter. Occasionally, it's a little bit shorter or longer, depending on how much time they want.
0: And that, that document is for recording potential issues or tweaks to the reports mm-hmm. or to the data, underlying data, something like that.
1: Generally, yeah. It's generally focused a little bit more on enhancements. We do request that anything that appears to be incorrect or not functioning as they would expect actually comes to us immediately so we can correct
0: it. Okay, right. Because mm-hmm. you want it to be working right. well through UAT. You don't yeah, want to wait exactly. till the end. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so are there regular touch points during that UAT or do you sort of hand it off get notified of any significant problems that we can fix uh, immediately and then wait for a meeting at the end of UAT?
1: Right, exactly. So generally it's aligned with those weekly development reviews that I discussed. So we may have our final report review on a Friday. We'll deploy to UAT, allow the client through the following Friday to collect the feedback. We'll get back together, review what they've submitted to us and then uh, make a plan for the, the final iteration and subsequent deployment.
0: Okay, that's great. You make this sound really easy. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Is it actually that easy?
1: I would say it's easier than it used to be. Um I think I give a lot of credit to the to the folks that we have working here for sure and the the project management team generally. Um but I would say under the fixed model things have just become a lot more smooth, um, allowing for a lot more collaboration both with our client teams and internally, um, and really just staying focused on the value and the goals of the objectives of the project as as what we 're tracking against, um, and letting concerns like budget and stuff really fall away
0: yeah, I love that and and almost an unexpected um, byproduct for me was that our productivity went way up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why it was unexpected. I just didn't expect it to change. I've, you know, I figure everybody's working hard every day under mm-hmm. time of materials or fixed, but I feel like we get a lot more done. The projects mm-hmm. get done more quickly. They're home runs every time. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, not that they weren't under time of materials, but they're just sort of, there's, there's very few bumps in the road. They just seem to go so well.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we don't have, although change orders are still something that exists in our world, they're a lot less frequent than they were under time and materials. Any change under time and materials inspired the need for a change order. Um, and that created a lot of friction and um, – really interrupted our momentum as we had to realign with the client, help them understand the cost of their request. Um, They would oftentimes have to go back for additional budget approval if they decided to move forward. So um, now that we can just absorb change, as long as it's aligned with the goals and objectives of a project and it's not, you know, too unreasonable, we can just roll with it.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so we were very careful not to get ahead of approved Mm-hmm. Expenditures with clients, and right. that's why when we had to get a change order, sometimes it would actually pause the whole project mm-hmm. if exactly. we were on a critical path item. Whereas now, you know, we'll just work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. um, I'm sure you get changes that uh, look like something that's you know, it's it's a different design or 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 a large change to the design or an addition. How, how do we handle that now? Sure. Yeah
1: the the few times that that's happened up to this point, we're really. Talking to the client and getting a really strong understanding of how that request ties back to the goals and objectives that we originally outlined for the project. Things definitely come up. We can't know everything at the beginning, um, but we really just help the client help us understand. And then we'll commit to getting it done if it ties back to that uh, goal and objective.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, gosh, we have such good relationships with our clients. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine we wouldn't get in sync on that. Mm -hmm. Okay well this has been great i'm going to want to have you back soon to talk about how you might advise a company who's doing this internally mm-hmm. to manage their projects hopefully they've got a project management team but there may be things that are a little different and so I'll maybe ask you to think about that and we'll uh, we'll schedule another time I think this discussion—I've really enjoyed it. It follows right on the heels of Caleb and I discussing moving to time mm-hmm. from time and materials to fixed price, yeah. and I—I I actually think uh, project execution was one of the things that was affected most by it. And uh, I really have to credit you for making that transition. It was a lot of change, mm-hmm. and you and your team have managed it well. And uh, congratulations—it's—it's it's going great.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's been—it's been fun. It's been a journey, and I'm—I'm I'm really thrilled with where we've where we've landed.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to get you back in here soon. Okay. Thank, thanks for sitting down today. It's been great. Thanks, Brick.